Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Today, we've got something very different, but quite cool for you. So I hope you enjoy it. I am talking with Gabriel Weiner from Fluent Forever, um, the book which many of you I know read and enjoy, about the possibility of learning Italian through opera. Now, as I've uh, mentioned before a few times, learning Italian is a big aim for me this year, and I'm building up to it. I'm going to be starting quite soon, actually. And so I wanted to sit down with Gabe to talk about the extent to which I might be able to rely on opera, which is something I love. I'm a big opera fan. Many people don't know this. I haven't really talked about it before, but I'm a huge opera fan, especially uh, Italian opera, late 19th century Italian opera is my, my favorite thing. Anyway, so I'm looking at a way, I'm looking at how I can fuse the content that I love in Italian with language learning. And I've got a lot of questions about this, uh, all of which we get into in the conversation, um, such as what kind of Italian do you find in opera? Is it useful? For speaking, will I be able to use what I learn? Um, what uh, what's the difference between the different kinds of, uh, of genres of, of opera, especially Italian opera? Um, we talk about um, different resources, um, interesting books. We also talk about uh, Gabe's background as an opera singer and how he thinks about opera and language learning uh, as a, as a combination. It's very very interesting, especially for those of you who are interested in Italian, and even more so. For those of you who like music and are interested in opera in particular, and if you happen to be an opera-loving Italian learner, well, hopefully <laughs> this will be the best episode you've ever heard. I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, the wonderful italki, the people that keep the lights on over here. Italki is the best, most convenient place to find language teachers. And you can get a free lesson by going to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free lesson. You can take lessons on Skype very, very conveniently with teachers from all over the world at a range of different price points. So it's very affordable, very convenient, and I highly recommend you use them just like I do every single week. All right then, so it's time to get into this conversation uh, with Gabe. There are full notes to accompany this episode. So if you'd like to get a summary of the main points that we talk about, uh, together with uh, uh, links to all of the, the various books and resources that we mention about learning Italian, then you can find this by going to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash Episode 262. Okay, that's IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash episode 262. You will find uh, quotes, links, summaries, all that good stuff to help you uh, navigate this episode. So without any further ado, please sit back and enjoy this conversation about learning Italian through opera with me and Gabe Weiner. Gabe, thank you uh, for taking the time. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, so um, I, I guess I better start off by explaining what on earth we're doing here because this is this is this is a little bit different, a little bit weird, and it's probably of interest to like one percent of people out there at most. So, <laughs> so basically, what I've done is just to give people a bit of, a bit of a background in case they're um, tuning in cold. Is that part one of my aims for this year is to spend a bit of time learning Italian. Um, I actually did used to speak Italian a long time ago, but I only spent a few months doing it. And it was like over 15 years ago. So I've pretty much forgotten everything. It's, it's morphed into Spanish since then. But one yes. of the things I want to do this year. Yeah. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? Uh, 
Um, so I want to I want to get my Italian bag, and I am kind of devising a project of, of some kind. And um, uh, the reason I wanted to talk to you is because, as I think very few people will realize this, um, but I'm actually a huge opera fan. And um, obviously, you with your background in languages and opera, uh, I reached out to you a while back and said, "Hey, can we chat about Italian opera?" And you very kindly agreed. So I've got no idea what we're going to talk about, really, and where this is going to go. But I'm quite interested. And hopefully, you know, if anyone out there is is learning Italian and interested in opera, well, you know, it's your lucky day. <laughs> so a couple of quick questions then. You have a long background in music, uh, as I do, um, although I think you probably treated it rather more seriously than I did. But t- tell me a little bit about your – about the your background with opera in particular as it relates to these different languages like what was it like sure um i would say initially with singing uh i did a touch of classical music uh, i started singing when i was 15 um but for the most part it was musical theater i didn't really get into opera until college uh when i was 18 or so um at that point um i was i began a degree at the university of southern california um, in, in opera performance or vocal performance, I think was the name of their degree. Um, and I think my first like actual opera was like second armored guard in magic flute. Okay. You know, real, real title role. Um, but, uh, we had sort of a lot of uh, changes in staff and things. And, um, eventually, uh, we just got this this amazing team of conductor and 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 director um, in Ken Kazan and Brent McMunn, and they started bringing in all sorts of just awesome productions. Um, and they fortunately liked me, and uh, I had a good voice at the time for my age. And so, and it's it's guys in opera are generally sought over. Sought you, after. Are you tenor or baritone? I'm a baritone, uh, a high baritone. I, I, I dallied as a tenor for a year and a half or so. That was a, right. a painful year and a half. But <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and like tenors in particular, if you can pull off tenor, then there is plenty of work generally. I mean, as opera goes. I mean, there's not plenty of work in opera, period. But uh, if yeah. you're a tenor, then you are in a, a good position to, to find some work. Um, but, uh, regardless, I mean, the, the male to female ratio is, is in favor of men in opera, um, significantly. Uh, and so, so yeah, I started getting some, some really nice roles. Um, I played, um, Pandolf in, uh, Massenet's Cendrillon, um, the Cinderella story. Uh, There's like the huge role for the father in that particular story. Uh, and that was my first real exposure to a decent amount of French. Uh Um, and so that was really great for really understanding the pronunciation system in that language. Uh, I didn't know French at the time, but we were getting, I was getting weekly coaching specifically in the, the lyrics of my part. Um, and when you're doing something that isn't just, I'm going to learn a single aria, but I'm going to learn an entire opera. Like there's a lot of French there. Yeah. And you need to understand what you're singing as well. Don't you? Obviously, <laughs> At the very least. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, um, you know, people, there's sort of different levels of, of, what you can bring to opera. I mean, you like the people who are just starting out, like those intro students, there's this book called 18 songs and arias, 18 song, 18 uh, Italian songs and arias that basically everyone starts out with. And no one knows anything like, like you don't start out speaking Italian or knowing really anything of what you're saying in those books. Generally you're, they're just vocal exercises. 
Um, and so you are, for the most part, saying gobbledygook in some language because you think it sounds good and your teacher thinks it's more better. <laughs> okay. So a couple of, a couple of practical questions at this point. Yeah, so, sure, sure. So, so you, I think you've mentioned uh, Italian and French operas so far. Well, Magic Flute, I think we were, God, were we doing it in English? I, I, I would doubt that we were doing it in German. Uh, I think we were doing an English translation. I think that first one is an okay. English translation. How do you feel about English translations of operas? They feel silly, but then again, um, operas are often really silly. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite um, one of my favorite arias is Resti la Juba. Mm. Um, the the uh, where you know they've got the scene with this big clown sitting there wearing makeup and bawling his eyes out down his down his you know down his face and smudging his makeup and stuff. So um, right. yeah. Uh, so, but even in cases like that, like you're talking about arias where where someone is like like tearing their soul out and like the lyrics support that. Yeah. And so in those cases, like, that's like, yes, there's a cloud on the stage and stuff like that, but like, there's, there's a level of seriousness that, that can, yeah. can grip you. The subject like, matter is serious, this, isn't it? In that case, yeah. you know, his wife's just run off with the, the, the other guy from the, from the, from the circus or whatever it is. Yeah. And like, it's, it's like, you can empathize with this character yeah. and he's about to go, like, 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 kill people. Like, it's, it's not like things are not going well for this guy and the lyrics are supporting that. But, there is a great deal of opera where the lyrics, like it sounds, you know, very beautiful and you're like, wow, what just amazing stuff. And the like, actual lyrics are like, he is so happy. I am so happy, happy, yeah. happy, happy. <laughs> yeah. And it's in Italian. So therefore it must be artsy. Yeah. But the Italians listening to this are like, all right, here's the stupid song about happiness. Like, yeah. Like, and so I, I think on that level, like translation allows people to understand opera for what it is, mm-hmm. but lot, much is lost. Like in, in every translation, much is lost. And sure. so that, that's always going to be there. But on the other side, the audience does gain something by being able to actually see it for what it is instead of sort of revering something that's, that's, oh, it's foreign. So it must be, you know, super intelligent. Yeah. So in total, then, how many different languages have you sung opera in? What was I mean, your experience? Opera specifically, I, I think would be four. I've done some art song in, uh, Czech. Uh, and, and I believe we've done some, yeah, Hebrew art song. I mean, like art song will, will expand uh, to a, a greater degree, but operas I've done, uh, four languages, Russian, I mean, five, I guess, with English. Uh, so English, Russian, Italian, French, German. Okay. And from all of that, does, is there anything about Italian that was unique? I mean, apart from the, the, the has, language aspect, obviously, but Italian has a clarity of vowel that is, uh, is special. I mean, it's, there's a reason why Italian opera, I mean, the, I guess the, there's a historical reason why Italian opera is sort of revered is that it's the beginning in some sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, opera sort of came out of that, that region and in that language. Um, but I would say Italian does have, um, stylistically, the Italians uh, fit into a certain uh, idea that, that works very, very well with a human voice. Um, and the language supports that well in the sense that it, it allows you to have a very clear flowing line in a language, uh, that is mostly vowel. Uh, and then when it's interrupted by consonants, the whole concept of, of single and double consonants in Italian gives the language, um, 
it just gives the language a rhythm that you don't get to find in a lot of other languages. Uh, and there is a musicality to Italian uh, in terms of the the rhythm of that language that I think is well suited for song. Um, that said, I think you could say that about any language. I think that you can find musicality in any of those languages and, and a unique flavor to each of those languages. But for something where your goal is, I want to stand here and you know, 50 to 100 feet away, there is a crowd of 4,000 people and they all need to hear exactly what I'm doing above this other crowd of 50 really loud instruments. Like, for that particular setting, which is a very, you know, hmm. artificial setting, uh, that that ends up being a nice fit for, for Italian. Yeah, I can imagine how you know, these sort of sonoric qualities of Italian being more kind of direct and clear than, say, French, for example, would make it much more suited to that that kind of environment. Like, I can see that. Although, of course, there's lots of wonderful French opera as well. There is. Um, yeah. Okay, so let, let's move on to the to the this this crazy idea that I have of. Um, potentially learning opera, learning Italian via opera. Because the, the background is that, you know, I'm, in terms of language learning, I'm becoming much more interested, more and more interested in input-based methods. So I'm just using a lot of input yep. rather than what I, I, you know, how I used to approach things, which was basically try and, you know, work, work on my speaking um, a lot. And, um, and so the, kind of ma- the magic crossover, as I see it, is between, uh, you know, learning a language with lots and lots of input in combination with content that you really, really like. That's, yeah. th- that's the kind of magical, magic thing, right? If you spend all your time listening and reading to stuff that you really like, you know, what can go wrong? Sure. So um, I really have no idea whether or not something like opera, because like when I think about Italian, right, my, the, the major thing that I like is is opera and the Italian song in general? There's not there's nothing else Italian that particularly kind of jumps out at me and says, "Oh, I love I love that." It's just opera is it kind of you know, the, the food, the food. Well, the food, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, language related. Um, I mean, of course, the food and the country. I mean, I've been to Italy many times and stuff. But in terms of like obvious content types, like uh, okay. you know, that's that's where my 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 mind goes to. So. I've got a, I've got a few like few different questions, but what are your what's your like immediate reaction to using opera or Italian song as a basis for learning Italian? Like, what what are the main things that cross your mind at that point? So, opera Italian is a different language than spoken Italian, um, mm-hmm. and that is not a problem if that is your goal. Um, one of the nice things about being able to be in some sense fluent in opera. Uh, is that you can go to operas and the vocabulary is going to be reused from show to show. Um, I, I did this uh, before I wrote my book. Before, like, I, I was writing a like my book came from a master's thesis that I wrote when I was in music school, okay. and it was specifically. Um, I, I mean, I, I I wrote the book in some sense like the terrible version of the book. My master's thesis is awful, just to put it out there. Like, <laughs> I tried to turn something like that into my editor, and he was like, if you, if you do this, I will cancel your contract. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he hated it. But regardless, the method was in there. And um, the initial version of that method was specifically, uh, how, do sing, how should singers learn uh, languages? Like That was actually the initial See, right. that, that for, came the, for the purposes of becoming better singers, yes, rather than learning the language as such. I mean, it was learning the language as such. I mean, the, the, the thing I was talking about earlier in terms of this 18 songs and arias thing uh, is that you can learn a language and, and you can not learn a language and sing. Yeah. You can learn all the words and sing, and that gets you to a certain point. 
And that's a valuable point. Like you, you are better for sure by knowing all the words individually, one by one translations. Um, then you can get to the point where you actually can think and speak in the language. Yeah. And each of those levels is vastly different in terms of what mm. you can convey to an audience. Yeah. In terms of and emotion so, and articulation. Yes. Yeah. It's not about it, like pronunciation is one thing, but you can, you can nail pronunciation with 18 songs and 18 Italian songs and arias level. Like yeah. you can completely sound perfect and it will not sound perfect because you have no idea what you're talking about. Yes. You're just making sounds and those sounds could be exactly right and they're still completely wrong. Oh, so that might be an interesting avenue just to get started. I mean, although Italian pronunciation, I guess it's fairly familiar to me in the sense that, I mean, I've heard a lot of it over the, over the years and it's not too dissimilar from, from Spanish, obviously. Um, you mentioned, okay, so you said that, that, Italian from opera is different from spoken Italian. Say a little bit oh, more right, right, about, right. about yes, that. Yeah. So like at the same time as I was writing this master's thesis on, on learning for, for uh, singers, uh, I also had this idea of what happens if we look at frequency lists for opera. And what happens if we specifically just take uh, all of the vocabulary that is used in every libretto that I could find. Okay, that's, what, nice you, that's what you emailed me a few weeks ago. Yes, yes, I need to email you a chunk of this thing. So I, one of the nice things about Italian opera is that it's all uh, open source at this point. There's no more copyright. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can basically find the top 50 Italian operas and literally every word of all of those operas, and you can load them into a frequency list generator. Yep. Uh, and there used to be a really great tool for this, and that tool died recently. And, and like actually some people in my Facebook group are starting to recreate this thing, which is good because we need it. Um, but uh, basically, I, I, I took all of the libretti, I stuck them together in this giant, giant word file, and then I dumped them into a frequency list generator. Um, and then I subtracted out the top thousand words in Italian. What do you mean um, you subtracted out the top thousand words in Italian? Actually, looking at it here, maybe I didn't. Uh, I was going to. I feel like I have a version without it. Um, I like in every language, like in English, you know, the top word is the. Like twenty-five percent of the whole English language is the word oh, okay. the. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that you know the word the was used a lot in English opera is uninteresting. Like, well, of course it is. It's English. Yeah. But what are the words that are like especially operatic? What are the words that if you knew the top thousand and then you also knew the top two hundred of these? then you basically know 90% of everything you ever heard in opera. Okay. Like, could we make that list? Um, and so I started uh, toying with this idea of creating a frequency list that was specifically opera-based, that was basically just the top, let's say, 1,000 words in opera with examples from libretti and translated examples from libretti. Okay. Uh, so that you could find any word in order of frequency and then find two or three examples from operas and then stick them into your flashcards or whatever your learning system you were going to do and learn yeah. it that way. And I was like, this is super exciting. Like, this would be great for singers. <laughs> uh, and I started that project and then just kind of abandoned it when, when the book started happening. Um, but as it turns out, like there is not a lot of um, variation. Like there's just not operas tend to be about like power and love and the heart and yeah. you know swords and you know dying and once you get through all of the swords and dying and art and and, and you know love and all this there's not much more that they talk about they don't go off and like discuss watermelons in the middle of an opera yeah so when you say it's different Italian from opera is different from spoken Italian. Are you referring to kind of just vocabulary type or is there, is there, is there more here? Like, because I mean, I was looking at this book, which you recommended me, which I don't know if people can yeah. see here, the uh, grammar and translation for the Italian libretto, everybody's bedtime reading. And, um, 
One of the things uh, that it points out here um, on, on the blurb at the back is about the archaic forms and poetic syntax. Yes. So how does that figure into to what you were saying? I, mean, I guess what I'm asking here is if I study Italian opera, am I going to be learning old Italian that no one uses anymore? Or is that an oversimplification? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, you will be learning literary Italian. Uh, literary and Italian. Okay. The and and old literary Italian. You'll be using. You, you'll be learning things like the passato remoto, which is like never used except in in weird you know art history books and things like that. I think mm-hmm. is my understanding. Uh, I, I've never seen it. I mean, I think it'll show up in in like newspapers and stuff. Um, but it's the sort of thing you say. You know, in in 1634, this the, the this building was you know erected, and like it's how yeah. you would use the word erected in that particular context. Yeah. Um, I have a friend. Uh, a, David, who's uh, who's one of my coaches in in USC, um, and he primarily learned Italian for the purposes of opera, and learned it very very well to the point where you could speak it comfortably. Yeah. And he went to Italy to Italy uh, and and spoke. Uh, he he re- re- recounted to me a few stories of going to Italy, talking to people, and them just just take not not taking him down, but just being like, what what is wrong yeah, with? You? <laughs> like, no, I can I can totally understand how that might happen. Sir. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was this sense of, of uh, like, he was basically saying, you know, no, I'm not. Uh, I think he was getting into arguments as to whether he was, A, a native speaker, and B, just just screwing with them on purpose. He wasn't challenging people to duels and stuff like that, was he? I mean, he wasn't, but he was <laughs> using things like the passato remoto, and it's like, it's just not used. Okay. You don't, like, yeah. you don't say, like, hey, do you, like, you would say, hey, do you want a burger? Not like, hast thou given me mine burger? Like, it's just. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got you got similar. I mean, I remember having similar issues with um, in Egypt with uh, with modern standard Arabic, mm, which yeah. everybody learns, right? But nobody actually speaks, and so nobody if you actually speaks. speak to people in modern standard Arabic, they often have a bit of a chuckle before they before they yeah. they understand. But you know, they, they, it's it's quite humorous. All right, so so I guess there's a there's a there's this this I guess fairly big issue of the actual nature of the language. So I guess the question then would be, well, if you use this as a source of learning Italian, um, all right, it's not necessarily what you'll end up speaking, but is it a good way into the language, particularly if you're very motivated by the subject matter? And uh, I mean, I guess that, I mean, you, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I would I would imagine that quite a lot of the, the grammar that you would learn, I mean, the kind of fundamental structural grammar of the language would be pretty much the same even if you you know even if you take uh, you know a, a sort of early um you know rossini or donizetti opera or something like that which is you know, a few hundred years old but i, I guess that the, the main structure would still be there you would allow you to get a, a handle on the on the language what, what, what do you think i think absolutely i mean okay. i think that the you know going into a language with content that you're interested in is is i would say never i think i think i can say never a bad choice um, I mean, I mean there are extremes you're... though on that scale, aren't there? I mean, you wouldn't send someone in to study Shakespeare for if they were learning English, right? I mean, if if but they were that they interested in it, that. yeah. I mean, okay. if, if they were completely fascinated by Shakespeare and yeah. they were like, "This is the pinnacle of, of what English can do," yeah. And I just want to memorize literally everything that every that Shakespeare's ever written, and and not just memorize it, but like know it in my soul. And then I want to go to America and order hamburgers. Like, there's going to be a, a learning curve there when they hit America with and and just realize that the dialect they've learned is not the dialect that people speak. Yeah. But they know a dialect of English and it's an interesting dialect of English. 
and they learned it so much faster because they were interested. Right. And I guess the foundation there, I mean, if you are learning, um, from a source, which is, uh, you know, very, I don't know, what would you call it? I mean, a kind of very erudite source, mm. whether it's kind of not, you know, literature or, or, or poetry or, or opera. I mean, you're not going to be learning crap, are you? You're going to be learning, you know, good stuff, albeit quite old. So, yes. you know, that's I mean, thing. but like what, what is crap? Like basically we're just talking like it content from my standpoint, content's content and you're, mm. it's content in a particular dialect or not. This is opera dialects. You're talking about potentially, you know, ordering hamburgers dialect versus Shakespeare dialect versus whatever. Like those are all different languages slightly, but they're all related to each other. Sure. And if you're interested in them, that's so it, it's it's too big of an advantage to ignore. Yeah, it's, it's the unfair advantage, isn't it, of a of, of starting a language if that's the thing that you're 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 so into. I mean, I, I guess I you know my aim here is ultimately to speak. I mean, and fairly early on as well. I mean, my, my main reason for learning Italian at this point is because, you know, I live in London and literally every single time I, I go into a, a cafe or a restaurant, the person serving me is Italian. Cool. I mean, that, that's the way London is. Um, yeah. and, and it's not just cafes and restaurants. I mean, I meet cool Italian people everywhere I go. You know, the last few times I've had video work done or someone's I, I don't know like like uh, the, the guy who who did some of the the graphics on my new website um in fact the guy the, the 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 developer who actually coded up my 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 website is italian i mean i mean mm. italians everywhere yeah. and they're such they're such wonderful people and i love yes the i love i love hanging out and interacting with italians and I, and i meet them on a daily basis in london so my my sort of primal motivation here is to is to kind of unlock the language so that i can speak with people and communicate so it seems to me that i've got i've got a kind of i've got a balancing act here between actually you know generating that passion and desire to learn through the content that i like whilst also you know not ignoring the the practical side of, of actually of actually learning the language. and i think you can have both i don't yeah. i don't see a, a conflict there I, I mean i do see the fact that you're there will be a uh, a challenge that you have to go through when you're adapting, you know, the language that you've been learning to the language that is going to be spoken by the people around you, yeah. but you're going to have to deal with that anyway. Honestly, there's always going to be a learning curve when you make that jump. Sure, it's not. It's not, it's not like the language from your beginner's textbook is, is how people speak on the street, is it? So, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well. you're, you're going to be made fun of slightly anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Okay, that's that, part that, of the process. Great. What about how do how does Italian popular song fit into this? Now, I, I know this might not be in your area, in your sort of area of uh, of expertise, but I mean, in, in addition to to, I mean, so my, my favorite kind, my, the kind of opera, Italian opera that I like the most is it's the kind of uh, Puccini, um, Leon Cavallo, and this kind of turn of the century. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what, how you'd classify that. Is that kind of is that romantic, late romantic? Late romantic, pretty yeah. late, late romantic. Um, I mean, La Boheme obviously is like massively romantic. Um, that, that's what I really like. But I also really like kind of 20th century Italian song. Yeah. Um, you know, the kind of stuff that Andrea Bocelli might record, you know, like totally yeah. over the top, overblown, romantic, like all this yeah. stuff. I, I, I love awesome it. Stuff. So like, stuff. how are you familiar with the language from that and how that, I mean, is that more, um, is it less archaic than, than some of the, some of the, the opera stuff we've been talking about? I believe so. I mean, I, I've sung some of it, and uh, my impressions are so far have been that, yeah, it, it is less archaic. Um, I mean, the vocab 
overlaps a fair bit in the sense that it's still all about, you know, hearts and yeah. love and all that. And, yeah. Yeah. So like on that part, you know, we've been singing about the same stuff for hundreds of years. So it's, you know, you generally don't, again, sing about watermelons. Uh, so mm. yeah, I mean, there's, there's some overlap, but yes, I would say it's less archaic. All right. All right. So I guess the last question I've got here, I've got a few notes here and we've kind of gone through this quite, quite nicely, but the, the other thing that I was wondering about is just a kind of practical question in terms of, or let's say that I wanted to study with um, La Boheme, for example. Yeah. And you sit down and you, you find, I mean, hopefully, you know, it's open source. How long is copyright? Is it 70 years? Um, I believe there's one of uh, Puccini's operas that is uh, still, either was still in copyright or is still in copyright. And I think it's... Um, it Tosca maybe it was earlier, wasn't Tosca. it, I think? No, um, no, no, which is the, with, with Liu, um, the one that's sort of like all, all Asian influenced, uh, oh, um, that one, Madam Butterfly. <laughs> yes. I, mm, I think you're right about Tosca. No, I, I, I was for a second thinking Madam Butterfly, but I don't, I don't believe that is in, in, in copyright. Um, there is a, a book actually that is, <laughs> you may probably want to get, um, Maybe. I don't know. There's a book that basically all singers, it's like the singer rival, um, for opera. Uh, okay. they are by, um, Nico Castell, who passed away a few years ago. He was the, uh, uh, diction coach at the Met. Okay. Um, and it has, uh, libretti, usually five per, um, per book. They're these thick books that are like the huge, they're just giant thick books. What's the series name? Um, if you look Nico Castell opera libretti, you'll find it. Okay. Cool. I'll put that, um, I'll put that in the notes here for, for people. <laughs> um, and so Nico Castell's opera libretti are basically these giant, giant tomes, uh, where, uh, you'll have five libretti. Um, you'll have every line of every single person and there'll be three lines or four per, per, you know, per row on your, on your sheet. Uh, the first line will be Italian, but with spaces between each word. The second line will be the uh, English translation of each word one by one. Wow, okay. Or each phrase one by one yeah. in this particular context. The next line will be IPA, like perfect exact pronunciation of every single word in this particular context. So if the word, uh, if one word is influenced by the next word and it's elided together, then that will be in there as well. And then the final line will be the, if it's not obvious from the word for word translation, what is being uh, intended by this particular sentence, hmm. then there'll be another English translation of that whole line. And then there may also be a footnote saying, you know, Hey, when he refers to horns, that refers to this particular right. reference of, of, okay. you know, whatever. Uh, and so they're just brilliant, amazing books. They're expensive, but they're amazing. And, uh, the, the reason why this copyright thing is coming to mind is because, uh, Nico never actually got to do the final, um, Puccini opera because of copyright because he was still in copyright okay yeah. oh that sounds that sounds that sounds fascinating so um so what i was going to ask was when if you actually took one of these opera let's say let's take lab worm as an example because it's my favorite yep. and you actually got to lay out the text in a, in a document or whatever like how much content you've actually got there like what are we what would, what would we be talking about in terms of actual word count or like pages of 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 text I mean, it's not a ton. It's um, not. I mean, that, that's, that's sort of what was on my mind. Is that how much, you know, how much material are you actually going to have there? Because obviously, it's so slow, isn't it, when it's sung that um, it, it, I'd never actually considered, you know, the 
the um, the extent of the material and how much there is there to kind of sink your teeth into? Well, I mean, operas like uh, Puccini's stuff tend to be a little bit more text uh, than you would get with something like Mozart or, or anyone uh, super early who's, who's writing in Italian. Um, many of those, the sort of early stuff, has a lot more repetition than something like Puccini. Puccini tends to have stories yeah. with content. Yeah. Um, and so you will get more there. Um, yeah. I'm looking at my like giant corpus of all libretti <laughs> together. Uh, and it's looking like it's around 200,000 words for the whole thing of like every single opera ever, but that, that's not a useful chunk of information for you. Um, so I'm trying to see. <laughs> but I mean, it's not that yeah. much though. I think it's 200,000 words. I mean, a book, you know, my books are short stories of 30,000 words. So that's only what, six or seven books. It's not that much. It's not I mean, a ton. No. And I mean, again, the vocabulary is sort of duplicated over and over and over again. So it's like once you've learned one opera, you've learned a good chunk of all operas. Yeah. Like one of the like the, uh, one of the things I'm sort of noticing in this frequency list, for instance, like normally when you have the top thousand words in the language, then you you should have around like a, a 75 or 80 percent comprehension rate um, with with, you know, that particular set of text uh, in opera. If you're at the thousand thousand mark, uh, you have 90 percent comprehension. OK. It's just, they, they just don't, it's not a rich source of, of content in terms of uh, the words. Yeah. That, that, I think that's the message that I'm, that I'm getting from, from, from this chat, really. That I think it seems that the best way to go about this is to use the opera itself as, you know, given that I like it so much, as my kind of big motivating, you know, the, kind of the shining light, you know, yeah. and, and to kind of use, um, learn the language that's there for the sake of learning to understand what I'm listening to. I just hope that when I understand what I'm listening to, it doesn't spoil the whole effect. Um, but I, guess I don't that- think it does. No, I don't think it will. No. I mean, I, I find that the, like being able to understand what you're hearing, uh, ad- adds to it. I think consistently. I mean, even when it's silly and you're just like, this is stupid. Like these are dumb, dumb lyrics. Yeah. Um, that adds something too, honestly, like maybe it takes away from the, uh, the glamour of it on some level, but also it allows you to appreciate the humor of it. I mean, this is what Italians are, are noticing when they listen to something and they're yeah. like, okay, yeah. this is corny, but okay, it's so really good music. It gets so, you great. closer to the truth in, in, any, in any event, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Cool. And I think that tr- that is always more interesting. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I agree. All right, okay, listen, this has been really, really fascinating. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, for those who don't know you, um, sorry, we didn't do a long introduction at the beginning here, but no worries, yeah. the, uh, the book is Fluent Forever. Yes. The app is fluent forever. Tell us about the it app. Um, can we uh, still, can we pre-order at the moment? Is it still open? Um, what, it is what still are the plans open. For that? Uh, it is open at least until August 1st. Um, and then August 30th is our current planned release. Right now we're on target. Um, we're going to have our first beta at the end of May, which is like just about to happen. It's oh, about to quick. go in my hands in a week or two. Yeah. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this thing's happening. It's it's and it's pretty exciting. It's All it's right. looking really really good. Well, for those people who are listening uh, far into the future, then because um, I actually looked the other day, and our our last conversation is the second has the second highest watch time on my entire YouTube channel. Um, mm-hmm. So um, you know, Sweet. hopefully this one. Well, this one's a bit more obscure, so I don't know. It's if, pretty uh, obscure, but we'll see. <laughs> I don't know if people are going to be watching this till the end or not. But anyway, uh, for those people watching in the future, I guess they can just go to the App Store, right? And uh, Yes, once once we're past August, it'll be in the App Store. Wonderful. All right, then. Well, listen, I I really appreciate it. And um, talk soon. Great. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so I hope you enjoyed this conversation uh, with Gabe. Uh, I'm guessing if you're still listening at this point, you did. So so thanks, and I hope that was worth your while. Uh, Remember, there are full notes and summaries of everything we talked about uh, on the blog. 
uh, including links to the resources uh, that, that Gabe mentioned, these these books with uh, the with Italian libretti, and also the the really great book on um, on translation and translating Italian opera. Uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but um, I think you'll know if you're the <laughs> the one percent of people who are interested. Uh, you can find those notes on the blog at iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash episode two six two. And while you're there, please leave us a comment to let you know, to let us know if you enjoyed the episode. All right, then. See you back in the next episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. You know, one of the questions I get asked most often about language learning is how to improve your memory. Because things get so much easier when you learn new words and you don't forget them later in conversation when you really need them. So what I decided to do was to put together a a short email course. It's a three-part email course over three days that teaches you my favorite techniques for memorizing vocabulary and actually putting that vocabulary into your long-term memory. It's a short course, three days, it's completely free. And if you'd like to sign up for it, please go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free memory course.